big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. This is Marion Rose. And I am Lael Stone. And today we are talking all about siblings. And this is a topic that we get asked about a lot, particularly if there's been fighting in families with siblings and also when we're having another baby and and bringing a new person into our family. So we thought that this is a really wonderful topic to cover right from the very beginning of introducing a new family member all the way up to what it can be like when our, um, our kids are teenagers and how that can look as far as siblings go. So Marion, I love, do you want to start with the big overall picture of what we talk about, you know, with what we see with siblings and I guess the beautiful aspects that sibling relationships bring? Mm. And I know we're going to, we'll probably bring in different flavours around here, but I really like to bring in the biggest, biggest picture, which I think is often forgotten, which is, you know, a child's true nature is loving awareness and presence and children really want to be loving towards their siblings and it's very normal and natural for children to have big feelings in in relation to their siblings and those big feelings show up in particular ways and I always remember Aletha Salter who's the founder of Aware Parenting I'm sure you remember this as well well of course you remember this but I quote it all the time which is um, to put ourselves in their shoes you know, to imagine if you um, if your partner was to say, you know, I'm going to bring home another husband or wife or, you know, partner and you're going to love them, you're going to love them so much. And they bring this new partner home and they're doing a lot more cuddling and kissing of the new partner. And actually they're doing a lot less cuddling and kissing of you. And they're kind of requiring more of you, giving you kind of having less, being maybe a little bit more um, frustrated and, um, can you imagine how you might feel and then times it by 10 because because you know little children it's not a partner it's you know their parents it's us where their parents are so of course that relationship is even more profoundly important in terms of their attachment needs and all of that and I think that can really help particularly when things are challenging is to really remember you know they're not enjoying this they're not doing it deliberately that but the bigness of those feelings and to put it in that kind of perspective of how we might feel in that kind of position so uh really coming back to their true nature is love and what i love about aware parenting is that we have all these ways of not only understanding what's going on for children but but preparing them before having a sibling and when when there are multiple siblings to actually support them so that there is more of the loving connection and ideally less of the the painful places and and really helping ourselves we're going to talk a lot about that aren't we about how to understand why we can often have some really big feelings around sibling challenges and what we can do to help ourselves so that we can respond in the most compassionate and effective ways mm. love it all of it so good so good uh i think often when i'm um, working with couples having a baby and particularly their second or third baby a big component of um, birth preparation i do is around when you bring your baby home and 
you know, I think second and third time around, the baby isn't so much of a huge issue because I think you're already parents, you figures, you know, you, you have more of an understanding of what it is to have a newborn, but it's usually the older sibling that becomes very, very challenging. So exactly as you're saying, you know, it's so normal for the older child to be like, hang on a second, why is everyone saying this is really good? It's actually not because, you know, there's, there's more noise and I don't have as much attention as before and do all the beautiful stuff that goes with it. So I often do a lot of preparation with parents around listening to the older siblings' feelings, lots of beautiful attachment play to help them understand, um, you know, and a lot of patience around just what a huge change and shift it is in when we introduce a new baby into the family. And I love to talk about there's lots we can do, as you said, Marion, around preparation for having another baby. And, you know, I, I find like a lot of older siblings when a baby is coming and, and you know, mum and dad talk about how the baby's coming and they see the belly and all those kind of beautiful things, that the older children will often quite naturally start doing lots of regression play, wanting to be a baby, wanting to find a bottle, wanting to be wrapped up like a baby, you know, and coming back to that beautiful philosophy that we both love, which is that children know what they need to do to heal and so often they will ask to play games or they will um, display behavior that is helping them process changes that are happening in their lives so I often say to parents just watch and observe what they want to play and what they want to do around what it means for this baby coming into the family so it's very very normal for the oldest to want to be being a baby again or games around um, you know what it's going to mean when the baby actually comes Yes, so beautiful, isn't it? And I think that preparation can make such a difference for them and really putting in, you know, I know, and of course, there may be um, parents listening who have adopted and there are all different ways. So of course, a justice to fit for you. But, uh, you know, as soon as we conceive a baby, the, you know, children are so sensitive and they, and they pick up on that. And often there can be even these slight shifts that can happen. So um, you know, often children can already start having feelings, showing up feelings of, you know, wondering around, wondering how it's going to be to be sharing mummy and daddy or, who, you know, whoever it is that's you know, all different family setups. But, you know, just to really understand that it's a big thing for them and, and all that we can do. I think the wonderful thing about pregnancies generally is a quite a long time to help them prepare. And so, for example, um, in general, all the all the tools of aware parenting, basically the more a child gets to express their feelings, the less accumulated feelings they have when actually their new sibling is born, that actually going to make everything so much easier for, for everybody in the family. So really ramping up on just simple listening to crying, listening to tantrums. And, and the more of those we can listen to, the, the less of those they've already got sitting there accumulating, that's going to make life so, so much easier for everybody. There are some really great games we can play. Um, the he's mine or the she's mine game can be a really helpful one to, to bring in during pregnancy before the new baby's born and then continue it. So the he's mine one is like maybe if it is mum and dad or two mums or two dads, whoever it is, the parents uh, each having maybe getting one hand of the child and saying, he's mine, but no, he's mine. No, but he's mine. But no, I want to give him 10,000 kisses, but no, I want to give her 5 billion kisses. And, so you're really putting in that, it's, it's like ramping up that sense of love. So they really know that they're loved. And that is a really helpful game to continue once the baby is born. 
Mm, absolutely. And you know also what I do, which is not so much aware parenting, but often when I'm working with parents having a second baby is yes. I really encourage the parents to talk to the children about birth and reading books about babies yes. being born. Yes. I have many clients who've had what I call whoops babies, which are babies that have just come really quickly, like whoops at home and the siblings being there. And when the child doesn't understand what's going on, that can feel really quite scary. So the yeah. book Hello Baby, which I love, such a beautiful book about a baby coming at home. And then there's lots of other books about mummies having babies. is a really beautiful thing to do too, to just prepare on some other level around what happens if the baby mum goes into labor quickly or an ambulance needs to come. And again, I think when we can prepare our children and give them the information, it takes away a lot of the fear, you know, and I always talk about just letting little ones know that sometimes you might make noises or sometimes you might need to breathe and all of that is helping the baby come. And so, um, you know, I think that's always a good thing that I find too for a new baby's coming is to prepare the older siblings in some way because you never know how it's going to unfold. Mm, beautiful. Yes. And I, I'm really remembering now with Lana, Lana was four and a half when Sunny was born and uh, we were having a lotus birth. So I actually got a little doll and I sewed on a little um, like press done thing with the, yeah. we made a little, <laughs> a little umbilical cord and all the things. <laughs> so we play loads of games with that. And, and I was passionate about carrying in slings. So, and carriers yeah. and things. So I, I made and bought her a couple. So she would have, she would have her babies in her slings. And so, you know, really yeah. just, uh, you know, the way just really, really including them as much as possible. And, um, and yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I too. I um, with my second and third babies, I had slings and like carriers that I made for my kids, and they used to carry their babies around in them. Um, you know, practice as well. It's beautiful, and they practice being pregnant. And they practice yes. giving birth and all those yes. things. They're all really beautiful, gorgeous, normal games that children use to make sense of what's going on. So I absolutely love that. I think it's uh, really beautiful. And so I think it's really helpful, isn't it, to really remember because sometimes we can just think, you know, they're just playing, but actually really remembering that's how children as you say so beautifully they're making sense of it they're processing it they're they're doing a whole lot of actually quite complex things when they're when they're when they're playing and they're reading and they're talking it's actually you know so important and can make a huge difference to to how they feel you know given those three beautiful things that we come back to in aware parenting is you know what the need for information just here and now unmet needs and needs to express feelings and how it's often those three one of those three things that cause challenging behavior so of course the more age appropriate information they have so that they really understand what's happening in a way that really fits for them that's going to make it much easier for them and and so everybody else yeah completely and then when the baby does come you know i think again just being very mindful of how the older sibling might be it can be quite common for the older sibling sibling to be excited be very gentle be very kind and then after a few weeks they can start to be just extra loving with really hard hands and you know just loving the baby so much that they're gripping them in a headlock and all sorts of sometimes physical stuff that we can see where we can start to see some of those threads coming out in the little, in the older child, you know, a feeling, just some feelings there. So I have had that with a lot of families where the older sibling's been completely fine for a few weeks and then 
um, you know, some bigger feelings start to surface then once they kind of realise that the baby's here for quite for a while and that, you know, it's not going to change. And that's sometimes when the bigger feelings come up. And the first thing I say to parents is it's just so normal and, you know, they're trying to make sense of the world as you are trying to figure out how you now work as a family of four or five or six or however many, you know, kids you have. Yes. And that, you know, those all those beautiful tools that we often use. So sometimes it is about setting loving limits and just holding space when you can see that there's feelings there, listening to their feelings and their tears. It can be about just making more of an effort to have present time or special time together where you can even just for 20 minutes a day, you know, do some beautiful connection, laughter, play, and then, you know, seeing what games the child wants to play in order to process. I had one beautiful family where their new baby came and the older sibling wanted to play um, mummies and daddies with his son teddies and um, he had the mummy and the daddy and he had him and then he had the baby teddy and the baby teddy had to live in the toilet so he kept putting the baby teddy in the toilet and then the baby teddy was not allowed to come out of the toilet and it was such a beautiful example of how this child was just making sense of how he felt about having a new little a person in their world and that's what I love about play it gives children the forum to express those big feelings that in a way through play that sometimes we can find very very confronting as adults you know if a child says you know I, I want the baby to go away or the baby needs to live in the toilet or any of those things you know for them to express that sometimes adults can react with oh no 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 but it's your little brother it's your little sister you should love them or you know where sometimes we can be very quick to fix that because it feels uncomfortable for us whereas I often just see that as a child having the opportunity to express how they feel around um around you know a, a new person in the world mm, so beautiful and I think it's also really remembering that it's of service to them to listen to those feelings. And, and that may be through speaking, but it also may be through having really big cries or tantrums in response to other things. So it may be, you know, they suddenly want the cup that's in the dishwasher or, you know, they're having something gets dropped and they're having a massive cry. And it's really having that lens as much as possible to remember. This is a wonderful thing because the more they get to, to cry and to really mourn, you know, that, the relationship does change after that when there's a each new sibling, isn't there? They're, everything's different. There is a, there is a form of loss, and to really, the more they get to really express that, the more they're going to be able to be that natural, gentle self. They're going to be able to be gentle with the baby and be compassionate, all their true, beautiful nature. So it's it's really remembering. Yes, it can be hard to listen and it can be frustrating and. You know, they might be having them in the supermarket or whatever, those big cries. But to really remember the more they get to release those painful feelings, the more they can sit in that true, compassionate, connected nature. So it's a real service to them. And it's really of service to them because they don't want to hit or or squeeze or or want to do those things to the baby. So so it's actually a really big gift to them if we can do and maximize the amount of listening that we can do, you know, really prioritizing the family our own emotional support so that we can do maximum listening so that it's much easier to to listen beforehand to prevent something happening rather than dealing with those after effects so so whatever we can do to to maximize that i think can make a huge amount of difference totally i think there's also too just you bringing up the elements of grief of of things changing and mourning you know that it can be very big for the mum as well you know yes. i have i have worked with many mums i remember feeling this with each baby i had yes. of feeling this incredible grief of how can i do this to my child <laughs> bring another baby in because i know their world is 
going to change and that's going to be hard and there can be a lot of grief of just mourning the special relationship you have maybe just with that older sibling and then bringing another one in and each time I think there's elements of grief that come with you know a shift in the dynamic in the relationship when a new person comes into your family Mm. it's very touching isn't it and I think to really let ourselves have that space or have someone to listen to us not only how the birth went but actually how we're feeling that these new different feelings that we have in response to to the older sibling or siblings and that that's so important because it's not only about listening to our children but really giving space for those feelings around around the older child or children and I would also say too it's you know I always talk about trusting and timing and stuff and that when a new baby comes along with the older sibling it you know it it can play out for a bit of time you know where that older sibling has to work through feelings and that sometimes take months you know it's different in every family and you know it's different for it depends on the child and I mean I know when I had my third baby my middle child she was outraged for a good six months (laughs) she was a lot of feelings there for her and um, she played it out a lot by by asking um, if other members of our family still loved her. So she would often use my brother as, oh, it was a beautiful, she'd be like, does Uncle Garth still love me? When she'd get upset, that's what she would say. And I'd be like, oh, yes, he does. And and I know that must feel really big for you. And, and I was like, would you like to ring him? And so she, we rang Uncle Garth a lot <laughs> so she could <laughs> ask him. She was four and a half at the time. And, um, you know, she played it out that way and she, there was a lot of feelings for her for a good six months and then I think she moved through that and and then I saw you know, the beauty of what it was and she even talks about I think she may have even said this mm, in the podcast, in the podcast too did, that yeah. she was so outraged. She was so mad at having a little sister and, and that um, it felt really unfair and she had to express that. And I love that she could still remember that feeling yes. of what it felt like. Yeah. So I think, it, I mean, the thing is I want to offer parents is it's so normal for them to feel like this. It's it is not a reflection that you haven't done a good job in parenting them or that we need to protect them from feelings. It is so normal for, um, you know, older siblings to have feelings around somebody else coming along. It's just, it's part of being human, I think. Mm. And, you know, often parents would ask me about age gaps and, you know, we can, we can live and, and make the most of any kind of age gap from the smallest age gap to the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since you've got, you've had two age gaps, I wonder if there's anything that you would like to, to offer mm-hmm. to parents around your, your different experiences around that. Yeah, well, so the first age gap was three years and I think I, I wasn't doing aware parenting then. So I probably didn't, actually, as I reflect, I probably didn't really give as much space for my son to process what it was having a little sister. And as I became more aware of aware parenting, I realised that that played out a lot in the sense that he was often quite, could be quite mean to her and he often paid out on her a lot. So she, just as the younger sibling, wanted his love and affection and attention and he was not very forthcoming with it. And that makes a lot of sense to me in those years because I wasn't really able to listen to his feelings around that. And also I think because I had a pretty tricky birth experience with my son and my journey into mothering for him was really hard. Like I was in shock for a long time and just could not get my head around being a mum. And yet then when I had my second, I had this beautiful water birth and uh, it was a very healing experience for me. And I fell in love with my daughter instantly. So there was this huge contrast between, I think, how I felt about my son when he was a baby and then how I felt about my daughter. Now, he played that out, you know, and he played that out not to me, but he played it out on her. So it took 
me a year or two to figure out that that's actually what was going on is that the way he was towards her was off was I think a lot of feelings, a lot of anger, probably a lot of sadness that the way I turned up for his sister is how I couldn't turn up for him. And that I think gave me an incredible opportunity to look at guilt. It gave me a great opportunity to look at my own grief and what I didn't have. And I think I moved into a space of being so willing to heal that for him when he was ready. And I think I've talked about other stories before about that he came to me when he was older um, with different games and different things he did, which I feel was so much around the healing of what needed to happen for that when he was a baby. And even though that, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of parents, perhaps if you have more kids that can relate to that story. And a lot of people in my workshops, when I talk about it, are often in tears and say that's how I felt as well, that it can feel can bring up a lot of feelings of, you know, I did it one way for one child and not for the other. And I guess where I have come to is, again, so much compassion for ourselves and our journey. I was doing the best job I knew how at the time, without doubt. And even when I had my third baby and I had even more awareness, the way I raised her was even with, I guess, whole different lens compared to the other two and so then that also brought up stories of oh I didn't do it for them but I did I did listening for her and but I think what I realized over all these years of parenting nearly 20 years of being a mum is that you know my children I trust that they chose when they wanted to come that their journey has been perfect for their growth and who they are I have worked to create so many opportunities of spaciousness with them to allow healing when it was ready. And I think over all the years they've bought it when they've been ready. And so I think I would offer any mum that is sitting there feeling that those feelings around, I didn't do it this way or it looks that way, or one of my older siblings is paying out on one of the others, that I think so much of it is firstly that compassion with ourselves and the willingness to open up for healing for when it's ready. And I think energetically when we can do that, our children feel that and then they will often bring us opportunities for us to heal, but also for them as well. So I think, you know, when I look at those first few years with my two older kids and I think I wasn't very aware of what was going on, I was just doing the best job I could, um, it, it felt a bit tricky three years apart. And then my other gap was another four and a half years. So there was nearly eight years between the oldest and youngest. And what was interesting is I think, my oldest bonded with my youngest in such a profound way. Like he was adamant that he was going to be at the birth. He was very adamant he was going to catch the baby. That's what he used to say to us when I was pregnant. I'm going to be there. I'm going to catch the baby. I'm the one that told her to come. That's what he used to say. Oh. And um, But that didn't happen that way because we ended up in hospital and with the cesarean. But he was very protective and very, very... Um, yeah, he, he fell in love with her really a lot. And I think that he'd worked through some of his sibling stuff with the middle one and so it gave him the space to be deeply connected and caring. And there was a big age gap that I think he was very aware of that and it was easy for him to, to welcome Tali in because there was a good eight years in between. So, And I love that that age gap was there because it just, um, by the time I had my third, the older two were probably a little bit older and were at school and kinder and it gave me more space to just be with the newborn, you know, and, and um, that worked well for me. And it's been interesting, look, as I've grown up, you know, I have like an adult now, you know, my son's 19 and a half, he's going to be 20 soon. And, you know, I, st I still have an 11-year-old, so, you know, 12-year-old. And so there's that, um, 
that gap, which is interesting as having like teenagers and then one that's still kind of at the end of primary school going through puberty now. So, you know, you still kind of have a foot in both worlds on some level, but I love that my oldest son will often offer to go and pick up my youngest one because he drives. He's going to look after her for a few days when we go away. Like he becomes like a second parent on some level too, which is really, really beautiful. So yeah, I found it, you know, look, I think any age as you say is exactly where it's meant to be but it's been um it's been it's brought a lot of beauty these different years in our family in that dynamic mm, thank you so much for sharing that i'm so touched <laughs> yeah. yeah so i i think when parents ask i think you know whatever age feels right for you and i think it's really helpful to to spend time because i know this isn't the way always but if you're really wanting to to maximize your capacity and your availability that can be helpful to wait a little bit longer just you know the the more the older child has they can do things for themselves and is it you know is a little bit more has more capacity themselves it just can make things easier i mean shorter gaps do generally mean that everyone is a little bit more stretched it's generally harder for children if there's a smaller gap and you know it's more there's more for us to do so it's generally means that the the system doesn't have as much um, leeway. There isn't as much capacity in the system. And you know, if you have got shorter gaps, you know, there's always ways to work around and to get more support and and trust the timing of everything. But yeah, and I think also too, when we're thinking of older kids, so not so much the baby toddler phase, but maybe school age children or teenagers. You know, what we can often still see is fighting that goes on siblings and that can sometimes be them working through their own powerlessness with somebody else that feels safer to do it with in the family as opposed to doing it with friends or even parents sometimes and you know that can feel incredibly loaded for some families because as a parent when you see your children fight it can raise you know lots of our own stories about growing up with siblings if we were fighting and we never felt heard we can often feel powerless as a parent when we're seeing our children fight I think we often also have this idealistic dream that our kids will just get along and um, they'll love each other and that's how it should be and you know it doesn't have to be like that sometimes they're going to work through their stories I I watch perfectly that story of my oldest a middle child you know he was often Kai used to pay out on Indy quite a lot and in hindsight as I look back he was a really magnificent teacher for her to learning to stand up for herself because sometimes the way he would speak to her or what he would do you know she would just kind of take it or she would become very powerless and part of it I thought oh here's an opportunity for her to learn how to use her voice and say I don't like the way you speak to me and he was the most magnificent teacher for her about finding her own strength and I realize that now as I look back and think actually that was that was not just about sibling stuff. There was a whole lot more of the beautiful thing in there where he also learned then about how to treat somebody else. She was learning about how to speak her needs. And um, and I think as they've both grown up and they're, they're much older now, they have a beautiful relationship where they um, – they will hang out kind of more as adults and they have, you know, different interests that they, I mean, interests that are similar now that they'll talk about. And there's, I can see there's just, it's taken their time to find their common ground together. And I see again, if I look back at the whole path and the journey, it was actually really perfect on all levels for them to learn what they needed to learn around their own personal journeys. It's really wonderful always bringing in that trust. And I love how you always bring that that bigger picture in. And sometimes we can't see the bigger picture till later on. I always remember that thing that Steve Jobs said, which I think he quoted Kierkegaard or someone that we can't see the 
the um you can't connect the dots looking forwards we can only see them looking backwards so true so true Mm. yeah so what about for marion for you in the sense of when we do have perhaps older children and there's lots of fighting going on or there's arguing and that kind of stuff what what suggestions do you often have for families around how to work with that what strategies to work with and i'm talking kind of a bit more older kids now um, around what you could do to help you know shift some of the stuff that might be stuck there Mm, I'd love to send that back to you because you know me, my, my expertise is the early years and, and you know, my kids don't really do that now. I would love to share a bit of our story, but um, I'm always like, if it's older kids and teens, <laughs> that's Lel's area of expertise. Okay. So what would you say, Lel? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I, I mean, a few things that I've tried in myself and also worked with some other families around is I think whenever I'm seeing that there's arguing with sibling stuff going on, I often see it as a bit of a red flag that says, I've got some feelings, I've got some needs and I need some help to offload them. And, and a sibling is a really wonderful way. It's They're like this fabulous catalyst to get angry, you know, because they do the wrong thing. So I always firstly see it as a red flag of, okay, there's something going on. They need some help to move some feelings. So my go-to is always, okay, connection. How do I offer some connection to them so they can move their feelings? So sometimes that's as simple as getting in between the siblings and, and just seeing whoever's instigating and saying, hey, I can see there's something going on. Let's go into another room. You know, let's do go play some. Let's something. Let's go have some special time. Let's go do something that is enabling them to um, have some connection to offload some of those feelings. Or sometimes it is about setting a limit that they can push up against and then have some big expression and feelings there. So I think that can be sometimes a good thing to do. I also see too, like as maintenance, and we talk about this a lot around present time or special time. I find if there's a lot of sibling fighting going on, sometimes it's as simple as that the children just don't feel like they've got enough presence with you and they're often competing for that. So that plays out with the siblings. So I've seen many families I've worked with real shift in sibling dynamics when they introduce present time as a structured thing in their family. So that's two or three days a week maybe just for half an hour and and I often say get the kids to make a schedule of when present time is going to be and who it's going to be with mum or dad tonight and and you could even, you know, they can write what we're going to do in that special time and we create a bit more structure around it so the child knows they're going to get their needs met because I think that sometimes, again, when there's quite a few kids, it can be so much around I don't get my needs met here and so I have to fight for that and the way that that's going to happen is by me creating, you know, some big feelings amongst my brothers or sisters, those kind of things. So I think that presence time and special time is, is the first for me a go-to in any family I work with to see what we can bring as far as more connection between the parent and the child, which, and then if the child feels like they've got their needs met, it creates more space for them then to um, not have to compete with the sibling or to turn up with more gentleness and kindness for their siblings as well because they, you know, they're, they're in balance again. So I see that as a good a go-to. Um, another thing that actually isn't mine, but I, I did love that I heard Patty Whipfler from Hand in Hand Parenting talk about this. And I, I have used it and I've actually had a few families use it, which I quite love, is that when there is... Uh, one sibling really complaining about one of the others um, that Patty suggested that she, you say to that sibling, okay, at four o'clock today, we're going to go into the room together and I want to, I want you to tell me all the things that you hate about your brother and sister. Like you complain for 20 minutes, as many things as you want. And the child gets to complain about everything they dislike. But then for the rest of the day, I, you know, we're not going to use those words, but this is your time to complain. So, and you know, she talks about doing it for a few days in a 
a row that, you know, the child gets to be heard around the things that feel unfair or they're frustrated around. But then there also becomes an awareness of it actually doesn't feel good just sitting there for half an hour complaining. So they often have the opportunity to move those feelings and also, um, you know, they're, they're, I guess it's just that element of feeling heard. And once they feel heard, they're able to let it go on some level. So that sometimes um, some families I've worked with have said that that really works. It gives the child the opportunity to really be express how they feel. Because again, as a parent, often the go-to can be, oh, but don't say that about your sister. You know, she's just, she just looks up to you or she just wants you to like her. Or, you know, we, we often can jump in with the justifications as to why they shouldn't feel that way instead of just listening to go, ah, oh, you sister is so annoying tell me more about it yeah I get it it's really hard having a little sister who wants to copy everything you do yeah you know and and to provide that space where they can really be heard uh, instead of us trying to kind of patch it up and fix it and make it feel all okay so you know they're two things that I found works really really well and then another is creating opportunities or games where the siblings get to be on the team together and gang up on you. I found that to be really awesome. One of the best things that we ever did as a family, it was about two years ago, we went and played laser tag. Oh, my God, it was so fun where we all got to shoot each other with laser tags. And... Um, and the kids just absolutely pummeled my husband and I. We, they gung up on us the whole time. And they were like this team. It was so brilliant. We laughed so much. And it was just things like that were amazing where they all had to be together as part of a team to beat us on some level. So sometimes we play games where it is, you know, the kid against my husband and I or in any of those scenarios. And they absolutely love it because they – they, you know, they bond over those kind of things about being smarter or faster. It's usually about being faster these days than us. But um, I've found that that is another beautiful opportunity where you get the kids to be, you know, on the same team and that we can do lots of power reversal games with that where they're actually, you know, together. So that's, I've found, been really, really beautiful as well. Love all those. I love those. I love those. And it's a similar thing to think, you know, um, with younger children, they're often actually similar things like, I often find that uh, issues around sharing toys can show up. And I often think that's a, a metaphor for sharing us. So if there's a lot of challenges around sharing toys, it can be, um, as you say, present times or special times. So, so helpful to really, so that they really get that sense of lots and lots of love and compassion. The He's Mine game, the Love Cream game. That's one from Sam Cooming. So we're like, oh, I'm going to pull, put love all over you. Here's a love cream. Oh, have you got some missing? And we're going to put some more there. So really filling, filling up the cup. Do you know the other thing I think as well is similar to taking them off into the room. That it, you know, we're getting that. It's the same with us as well. We're getting that balance between. So if a child, one child perhaps is saying unenjoyable things to another child, we're, we're wanting to give them to that sense of being deeply heard, but also not being willing for the other child to be hearing those kinds of things. So yes. one thing can be simply setting a limit. It might be, you know, I'm not willing for you to talk to your sister like that. And I'm really willing to hear your feelings. So, you know, that might be if, if the other child's old enough to be on their own, maybe going in the other room or if there's another parent around. So it's, so it's finding that balance, isn't it? Of the loving limits so that, that there's not more hurt being, or there's as little, more hurt being passed on to other, yes. the other child but also really that sense of really hearing hearing the feelings that, that sometimes come out in not so enjoyable ways quite often yeah. come out in not so enjoyable ways and that may be also setting loving limits with the there's a hit about to come putting your hands up and preventing that I'm not willing for you to do that sweetheart and I'm right here I'm listening so all ways of really 
setting a limit with the behavior that is an expression of the painful feelings. And so we're saying no to the behavior, but yes to the underlying feelings. And we did do a whole podcast on loving limits if anyone wants to, to look at that. And mm. similarly, if they're pulling, if they're pulling a toy, and I, again, I got this from Patty Whipfler a long time ago, if they're, maybe one child's got a toy and, the, and someone else is, with the other siblings trying to get the toy, they can be simply, if they haven't quite got it, is actually saying, um, you know, actually letting the child who's got the toy have it for as long as they're willing to give it, you know, until they're willing to give it and actually being with the feelings of the other child. And often those feelings of, you know, but I really want it and they're not giving it to me and just us being with them and hearing the big feelings, those can often actually be feelings about sharing our love and our attention, not just about sharing the toy. So mm-hmm. we're thinking about the things that are showing up as often expressions of more internal things, as you always say so beautifully, it's looking behind the behavior. Mm. what's really going on and really coming back to that initial thing of how would we feel if our partner brought home someone else and was possibly being more kissy and and huggy to them than us (laughs) it would be very painful yes (laughs) i would definitely have some issues (laughs) (laughs) i even find now so funny with our beautiful puppy that we love yes (laughs) my husband just loves all of the puppy i'm like you used to do that to me (laughs) dog yes so beautiful and I I love that point too around you know what what it's saying underneath as you say what's saying underneath because that is also an element of where we sit as the parent so if we start to get a real charge around our kids you know arguing so again on an ideal level you know when our children are fighting we're able to stay calm we can sit there we can we can narrate what we're seeing we can get in there and make sure everyone feels safe we can hold space to listen to their feelings we might do some play to help them move i mean you know that's like can i bring in the violin music now (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's what we ideally i think we wish we could do right (laughs) <laughs> to help our kids move the stuff healthily. Yes. But that's pretty rare that that can happen because usually they usually start fighting when, you know, you're trying to make dinner or, you know, all those kind of things. Um, so I guess, you know, that's what I think where we're wanting to get towards, but that's often unrealistic. And, and like any other element of our own stories, you know, sibling fighting can just bring up some deeper hurts from our, our own childhoods. It can feel a massive, massive surge of powerlessness for a lot of parents. This is what they often say when their kids fight. They just feel instantly powerless. I can't stop them. I can't fix it. I want them to get along, all those kind of feelings. So like everything we talk about, it's such a beautiful opportunity for healing and for some deeper investigation into ourselves around what goes on for me when my kids do this. So go, Marion, give us some gorgeous gifts about <laughs> Well, yeah, I often find it helpful to think of the phrase that we even have, and this is more like an after or, a, you know, it's getting more familiar with our own emotional cartography. But to, to so I remember with, and I'd love to share a bit more about this, the story with my kids, but when they were going through uh, the phase of fighting, what I, what I realized for me is it was actually um, the phrase that came up helped me connect with this is actually reminding of me of when my parents used to fight and how powerless I felt and oh, you know, all the things yes. that showed up. So it's often really helpful to really connect in with the phrase. You know, I know other quite a few people I've worked with who've said, if one child is perhaps tickling or overpowering another sibling, that it actually brings up their own memories of being tickled or overpowered. So it's really connecting in with these. Are, and again, going back to what we've said in all our other podcasts, these are opportunities for healing. This is not something wrong with us. This is 
how our psyche is designed to work, that when something in the present is reminding us of something from the past, those feelings are coming up to be heard this time for those little parts of us. So of course, in the moment, it's going to be, it's going to make things a lot harder to be that compassionate present self. But the more we're doing our own inner work, which may, may mean having an empathy buddy or a listening partner or doing our own inner listening, our own journaling, however you do it, seeing a, uh, you know, a person that helps you professionally is, is, is seeing the invitation and actually the gift that it is for our children, because the more we get to have our feelings heard around whatever's bubbling up, the more we are going to have more capacity to actually move in with the helpful responses. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in the moment, you know, like we say all the time, when we start to feel those feelings brewing within us and our nervous system starts to jump on board and we start to get really, you know, um, I guess it is just acknowledging in that moment, yep, there's something going on for me here. You know, I can feel myself getting really triggered or I can feel myself, you know, having some big feelings. So I'm always, how do we keep everyone safe to start with? So it's about just keeping everybody safe in whatever way you can do damage control, not even damage control, but making sure everyone feels okay, separating if you need to, and just acknowledging in the sense of I'm fe- I've got feelings around this, I need to come back and revisit it if I can. So sometimes it's deep breathing, sometimes it's, you know, going and just, you know, really anchoring, putting your feet on the ground. It can be moving to a different room with a child, just something to bring some awareness to, yep, there's a charge in this for me, and helping the children work it out. I mean, some of the things I used to do when my kids were younger was that when they were arguing over a toy or who had this or who had that is to actually just model and practice listening to each other so I would sit down and say I'm going to hear both of you and you both are going to be able to tell me exactly what's going on for you so let's start here so I'd say to Kai you tell me first what happened and as he'd start talking and if Indy started to jump in going oh but this happened and I'd just say I know you've got something to tell me sweetie I want you to hold on for a minute because you are going to get a chance to be heard as well we're just hearing him so then he would get to explain all the things and there was no, oh, but that's, you know, no justification of why and but you have to understand because she's younger than you or anything. It was just let him speak his resentment or his anger around what happened and then I would always say, are you finished? And, you know, he'd say, yeah. And then, okay, Indy, you tell me what happened for you and she would get to speak about it. So she, And again, I would say to Kai, let's just listen and then they'd both get to speak and I'd go, okay, is there anything else we need to say? And then, you know, again, giving them the opportunity to speak. And then what I often do is go, okay, well, I'm seeing that you want this and I'm seeing you want that. How do we figure this out so that we can all get our needs met here. What could we do? What could be a solution? And if they were willing, you know, and I could hold that space for them, they would often come up with these really amazing solutions that I didn't even really think about of how they could both get their needs met, right? So these were beautiful learning opportunities about communication, about listening to other people, about finding compromise sometimes, about negotiation. Like these are really awesome skills. I mean, this is why this is why parents and mothers, I'm going to say mothers here, are like, you know, UN negotiators, right? Because we are so good at navigating and negotiating conflict in the home, hopefully as calmly as possible. 
Um, these are pretty awesome skills that you learn, I think, being a parent. So they, they were kind of some practical ways that I would find were just beautiful teaching opportunities because, you know, you do it quite a few times and then they learnt that's how it would roll. And so then they would start actually implementing it themselves, you know, without me needing to. Whenever they started to get into arguments, one of them would go, okay, you need to hear me first. And then the other one would say, when well, you need to hear me. And, and then they would figure out the solution of how they were going to work with it together. So you know these are all such beautiful opportunities for children to grow and to learn and and for us to then model what it can be like to figure out conflict because there is conflict in the world and you know and I think all those things do around repairing as well sometimes when there's someone's been hurt and and you know we've probably discussed this before but I was never big on you need to say sorry I was just always like okay how do we repair this what would you like to do to repair and giving the child the opportunity to repair when they were ready so without making them say sorry or you know giving them the power in being able to apologize or make amends in a way that felt right for them and sometimes my kids would make cards for each other sometimes they would um just you know go in and lay on their bed and say I'm really sorry like you know there was elements that were really heartfelt (laughs) one time my youngest she wrote a song for her brother (laughs) she broke something of his and he was really mad and then she said I'm going to write him a song and so she wrote him a song to say sorry it was was very adorable I wish I had it on film it was so cute um so I think these are all such beautiful I think this is the thing around sibling conflict it's how we can view it you know if we view it as this feels wrong and it shouldn't be this way or we can view it as another beautiful opportunity for growth and for learning for us as a parent and also for the children then then it takes a lot of the charge out of it as well because again if we have a huge charge and there's a lot of feelings for us around it then we are often going to um, come into any sibling conflict with you know, some fire in, in our bellies and then that's going to just add to everything going on. So, you know, the more that we can stay centred and anchored within it and, again, the more we look at it with, with the perspective, you know, with perspective of growth. This is amazing. It's growth. We're all growing here. Um, and I think that can often feel a bit easier. Mm, I, I love that, Leah. I love all of that that you said. So beautiful. Uh, it really helps me connect in with... Um, that thing around what you were saying about thinking, thinking that conflict is, you know, really not wanting it. And I'd love to share a bit about our journey. And I know I think I've shared it in other podcasts, but I'm kind of laughing. It's been, it was so black and white with us because we, we went from, um, you know, I'd done a lot of listening to Lana's feelings and she was, you know, very calm and centered in herself. And um, she was four and a half. So she, you know, she was a little bit older. So when Sunny came along, she was so, 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 so helpful and so in love with him. And just, they were, they were completely besotted with each other. And it was, people used to ask and they'd say, you know, do they fight? And I'd be like, no, 99.99% of the time they are completely in love with each other. So it was like, it was, you know, four years of this kind of adoration and just cuddling and kissing and tan holding and she'd choose all these outfits to match hers. And it was just so, so gorgeous. I love that. And I only, I wouldn't have shared that now if I could have not only shared the other parts because otherwise I know, I know now how painful it is to not experience that. So then when their dad and I split up, it went from that kind of thing to after a few months of Sunny going into head butting and hitting like all the time so you know it really helped me see it was my own um experiment of two my own case study of really seeing how much 
stress and painful things in the family really do impact children's behavior. I mean, it's like, it was clear as night and day to me. And because I really, you know, I, the, the paradox is, and actually meant I had, you know, very, I had almost no skills in actually how to, how to support them in those kinds of things. Plus all my own big feelings from the separation I was going through a lot myself. So it was really, really, really painful. And I, I really didn't know how to, to do that I hadn't really learned I had never had a childhood hit or done any of those things so it was a really steep learning curve and it made it definitely made it harder because I had you know so much pain around it around you know just not wanting it to be that way but they did get over it and um took quite a while but they did <laughs> so it was it's very interesting to see you know all the, the different experiences that each child will have and that you know how much we learn and grow through those things you know in a way although i wish it hadn't happened like that i learned so much about loving limits in a way that i had never done before you know i remember you know sunny was doing a lot of hitting and when i really got to that capacity to really stand in that really clear without any like roar of me to actually stand in that i am not willing for you to hurt me i'm not willing for you to hurt lana and to stand in that it wasn't an aggressive thing it wasn't i wasn't in any of my own fight or flight it was a, an amazing gift so it's, it's always really seeing the journey even though it's painful that you know how can we how can we turn this around how can we um you know see it as an opportunity for for growth and for learning a lot of things that we wouldn't otherwise not have learned so i really loved I how you brought that, that piece in yeah I love that. I love that so much, Marion, because it's so beautiful, isn't it? The element of how we look at this. We can see our siblings, our kids fighting something that where we can make it mean that we're not a good parent. We can make it mean that we've done something wrong. Or you can choose to go, oh, there's actually some gold in this for us. This is, this is us learning about conflict resolution. This is us learning about yes. democratic parenting. This is, us, this is an opportunity for me to feel into what, you know, comes up for me around it. And that's, that's with all of it, isn't it? It's so the way we choose to do it of this beautiful opportunity to say, ah, something's here now because it's meant to be here and here's an opportunity for growth. So what's this about for me? How can I support my kids? to be in balance in the easiest way possible, you know, to simplify it sometimes I find is it's, it's so important <laughs> to bring it back to just these basics sometimes so that we then feel like we've got some tools or skills to work with it for sure. I love it. I love what you're saying about that. You know, we can have these, and, oh, I think I've it's totally been shattered out of me now, this ideal perfect family thing. <laughs> and then my kids will, be like this and they will do that and um you know yeah that's just a beautiful illusion because they're their own humans and they're going to do what they want to do and i think that is so good and i love that if any parents listening feeling like they're not getting it right or it should look a certain way there is no certain way right we just we are humans and we're all beautifully imperfect and we're here to learn how to navigate being human within and in relationship with other people so i love what you're talking about that it just gave you so such beautiful stuff from it it's so good isn't it mm. and you know it made me a much more competent aware parenting instructor because before that i was like your your children are fighting really i was like wasn't much help with that yes. <laughs> like now if they yes. see the older ones i know like, um but you know it reminds me as well you know when letha and i were having those conversations and we had one about screens and i remember her saying it's actually probably more helpful for for siblings to be having some kind of conflict than them to be on screens and I, well that's a, that's a, you know there's a there's a reframe isn't there <laughs> to see totally yeah well i just think 
you know, we, I really do feel, and, and if you think about this from a big picture, we figure out how relationships work in the home and that's with our siblings and that's with our parents. So it is all about what lessons and how we're going to learn to navigate that, that we then take that out into the world. And, you know, I think a lot of unfinished business around siblings shows up in relationships. It can show up in the workplace. <laughs> I have so many clients who have issues in the workplace and, and I go, well, what does that relationship remind you of? And they're like, my sister. <laughs> so it can show up in the workplace. It can show up in our own intimate relationships. You know, we're constantly repeating these patterns until we get our needs met around them or till we process what hurts we're there so we're just going to keep attracting these same relationships so I just think you know if we can see what's going on for our kids there's a beautiful opportunity to work through some story now then they're not going to have to continue that as they get older into you know into other relationships so Yes, there's beauty in it, isn't there? So much so. And, you know, I, that one thing I do remember that about with my lovelies is that if they needed to have a cry, that would be one of the ways they'd kind of just do a little bit of a, yep. some kind of thing that they knew the other person would then say something and then that was a great opportunity to, to have a big cry about it. So you know, the ways that they're working together and, you know, and the, the subtlety of the system and how everything is all connected and related and sometimes how also our children are playing out things for us you know they're observing us and how we are in relationship or not so to really be aware and I know that's a lot of your work is is you know it also can be can be easy to focus on what they're doing or not doing and I think it could be really helpful to keep on coming back to you know what's what's going on for me here what inner work am I might be being invited to do how am I being invited to step up here in some way or other so Mm. or step down perhaps into a into a deep unconscious <laughs> <laughs> oh the work the beautiful the work, work. <laughs> yeah. yeah i love it it's so good and look i think i i guess what i really hope in this podcast for parents who do have issues or they're seeing their kids fighting and that's really big it's just it's it is quite normal on many levels and that that is just a beautiful opportunity to look at either your own story or to offer more connection or, or possibilities for releasing some feelings so they're not having to navigate that with each other, you know, that we can help, you know, with those needs so that it's not having to play out so much with their brother or sister. Mm, so much. And I would love to offer, again, if, we, if there's a temptation to go into slightly more old-fashioned responses to fighting is to really, again, put ourselves in their shoes and perhaps, you know, if you have a partner or an ex and if you're in the middle of some conflict, how would you feel if someone came in and started getting a little bit, a little bit harsh or punitive? Would that be helpful or not? And what would you actually really love to receive? What would be supportive in that? Because I think, again, that can help us go, oh, yes. It's actually, they're not enjoying it. They're not doing it deliberately. It's not like really fun for them. They're not doing it to wind us up. They're actually, you know, there's pain there and they actually need our support and our compassion. And I think the other piece I would really love to offer is if your children are, have today <laughs> some kind of conflict is is my heart goes out to you because I think it in, it in my experience it was one of the most painful things ever and um so I send so much love and compassion and tenderness to you if you've had this happen today and whatever you can do to give some compassion to yourself around the painfulness because I think there's that thing almost as if almost like just like I think our children want their parents to be completely in love with each other and loving all the time. And I think there's part of us that, that wants this, you know, just, just the, the harmony and the peace and the love. And, and that's a beautiful, normal, natural need to have and to really acknowledge that. And it can be really painful when that isn't what's around. 
Totally. I love that. That's such a beautiful offering. Yes. To, to, yeah. To sit with those feelings, of course, within ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So I say that. Yes. Oh, wow. Do you know what? And then, then at the end of the day, even when I try all these things with my kids, all that kind of stuff, I, I used to come and they're so sick of me saying this. I'd look at all three of them and I'd go, you, all three of you grew in the same place. You all grew on my stomach. <laughs> only, only the three of you know that place. So, you know, you got connected and bonded forever, right? So this is this is for life. So somehow we're going to have to figure out how to navigate this. And they go, Mom, don't say that. And I go, it's true. You all grew in the same place. <laughs> Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Oh, I love that. And, uh, I, and I just want to share a little story. Just before we came on, I had a couple of clients, but just earlier on, we were, I was, I've been wanting to do some screen present time with my, my son, particularly for ages, and I just haven't been getting to do it. And I did some, um, some willingness work in one of my courses the other day, and I happened to give myself an, an example as an example. And I got to willingness. So today I went, oh, great do you want to do some screen present time and he set it all up and then he's like Lana do you want to come and play we had really so much fun playing together it's like each in a little area on our own thing but chatting to each other so you know the ways that connection can happen might be quite unusual and quite different particularly as they get older but my my thing I always say is if if they're wanting to do things together just just say yes yes <laughs> totally yes. however it looks it may not be the the thing that might be what we might most want, but say yes to the, to the yes. connection that does happen. They're all like, hey, can we take the soap on the trampoline and jump on our undies, you know, undies together <laughs> water? Yeah, oh, yeah, that sounds like an awesome idea. <laughs> and then they'll jump and scream and have the best time. And, yeah, there's those opportunities that are magnificent. I agree with you totally. I always say that too is when you have teenagers. Whenever they come to you with affection, like you just drop it <laughs> yes. and take it, right? <laughs> you round out and you don't let go first. <laughs> you just take all the love, you know, when you've got little kids and they're climbing all over you all the time and you often feel so touched out and you're like, oh, my God, I want personal space. But then when they're older, you're kind of like, oh. <laughs> so you just take it whenever it comes. Yeah. Com complete yeah. swap, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, totally. I love it. <laughs> yes. So any, um, any books or suggestions, Marion, that you would think around um, this topic? Uh, well, I think Aletha's Cooperative and Connective, all of her books, Tears and Tantrums is wonderful, Attachment Play, all really, really helpful. Uh, I think um, Playful Parenting by Larry Cohen, again, really helpful here. I remember some of his lovely games. I think, was it his? I always sometimes forget now when, he's, when siblings are fighting and you're going to go come and pick on someone your own size and kind of get in between them and be silly and goofy yes that yes is, but so many beautiful game ideas to help children yeah yeah i agree that that book's great because there is lots of different suggestions as well to use play to help them you know navigate what's going on so yeah great yeah very good what about you uh no that's it i was just thinking i, I was trying to think of any books that i know but i don't really know any that address that as as a topic or in a way that i agree with so. yes, there are some around but not necessarily yeah yeah so um, all right well so thank you again everybody for being here we we love um all your messages of support and um you know as we always say you can go and rate us and share it and all the things um we would we would love that so that more and more people have access to this awesome information and to you know create more harmony in families so thank you so much for being here and for listening and we look forward to seeing you next time. Okay, and so much love to you and so much love to your children and, and the siblingness that's going on between them.
Lots of love. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.